Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and then in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be with, able to withstand on, in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as the shoes up for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all flaming darts of the evil one, and take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Praise be to God. Good morning, everyone. Good morning on this Sunday before, uh, before Christmas. Now, during the, the Christmas season, uh, people will preach a lot about, well, what happened up to the time that Jesus was born. Perhaps they'll preach about Jesus being born to Joseph and Mary and the perspective that Joseph and Mary had on their role as being the, the parents of this newborn baby who's called to be the savior of the world. But today what I want to do is I want to give you a, a cosmic perspective about what is, is happening and a cosmic perspective of what we will be commemorating, remembering, celebrating when Jesus has come to be born, to become the savior of the world. Oftentimes when we think about Christmas, we think about peaceful things, mellow things. We like to think about just being at home, opening Christmas gifts. If it's cold enough in Atlanta, perhaps some hot chocolate and just enjoying the fellowship of brothers and sisters. But the birth of Jesus is seen otherwise in scripture and is seen otherwise amongst spiritual beings. For you see, the birth of Jesus was God's throwing the gauntlet down. The final expression of war a spiritual battle against evil, a spiritual battle against sin. The birth of Jesus is not about warm, fuzzy feelings, but it's about what God is doing in this world today and how we as God's people have been caught up into that war, called to be soldiers an army raised up in him to fight the same battle. A very different perspective from the pastoral settings that we have of Jesus. The cosmic setting is more violent. The 
cosmic setting is more warlike. We know that from the beginning, Jesus or God created all things and all things were good. But because of the sin of Adam and evil, we had all fallen into disrepair. And creation itself became frustrated. And not only creation, but we as people became frustrated. Adam became frustrated with Eve. Eve became frustrated with Adam. Cain and Abel, as two brothers, became so frustrated with one another that one killed the other. And sin kept on snowballing forward and forward as more people became murderers. As anger became a part of humanity. And God from that moment on set about a course to declare war against sin and declare war against evil. But what's interesting about the Old Testament is how God did that. Many times when we ourselves as as people see something wrong or distinctly evil going on, we want things to be fixed right away. We want that which is evil. We want justice today for what's happened in the past. But God's way of thinking is very distinct. And it's very curious for me as well. Because when we look at Old Testament history, we see God punishing some things that we are like, why is God being so harsh? On the other hand, there are some things that God leaves unpunished, and we're like, why is God being so merciful? We look at the Old Testament, and we're wondering, God, you're declaring war on sin, but I don't see your plan of how to conquer this. Let me give you some examples. We know when when the Israelites were delivered from Egypt, and after they had wandered 40 years in the desert, a new generation was brought up. And oftentimes I wonder, God, is that a just sentence? 40 years to wander. Is that a just sentence to let a whole generation die off before they see the promised land? Is your holiness so holy that you can't forgive that wrong of building an idol? And the answer to scripture is yes. Another story that always sort of um, confuses me, and I think it will confuse you, is when God allows them to, to go into Palestine to conquer Israel, to conquer the land for themselves, a land that God has promised that God orders the people of Israel, listen, when you take the land, nothing must survive. You must destroy the population. You must destroy their goods. You are not to take any other goods for yourself as loot. Number one, God, isn't that harsh? Is your holiness so holy that you need to start all over. 
We also know that there were people who took the loot and God judged them harshly as well. God is your holiness so holy that you would judge so harshly. The Old Testament confuses us many times. There are other times in the Old Testament that that we read and we're like, God, why are you so merciful? I don't understand why you are so merciful. The story that I always look at is, is in Genesis when I see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob taking on many wives. And I scratch my head and I ask myself, God, why don't you speak about this? We know from Genesis chapter 1 or Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 that Adam was supposed to have one wife. Just one. And yet all through the scriptures, everyone who is a man of God, everyone who's called to be keepers of the covenant, whether it's Abraham, whether it's David, Solomon, all had multiple wives. And you wonder, God, why do you forbear sins such as these? And if we step back and we look at the Old Testament as a whole, we we see the war against sin. And we see God's mercy mixed in between. And you wonder, God, where does this end? How is this going to be resolved, Lord God? This is a fascinating, interesting story about you calling out your people to make a name for yourself, but also this whole structure so that the the people of God may spread the good news that Yahweh is the only God that there is and that this Yahweh God will be magnified and glorified and that this Yahweh God will be able to receive all glory, honor, praise, not only from the people that he's made, but also from the angels before him. And we're left scratching our heads. We see judgment. We see mercy. And we know that those two exist because God is holy and that God wages a holy war against all things that are against him. There's no way around. The Old Testament is violent. There's no way around it. The battle against sin cosmically and in this world is violent. And yet the ending is a surprise. When the Jews were in exile and they were waiting for the deliverer, they were waiting for someone to deliver them from the Roman Empire. They had returned to Palestine. They were looking to raise her own king, albeit a violent overthrow, that they may reclaim what is rightfully theirs. But God does something amazing. For me, myself, personally, it's, it's a surprise ending. The New Testament to me is, is, is a surprise. There's hints of it in the Old Testament, but without the New Testament, you couldn't see what was going on. But the surprise was simply that God is going to conquer evil and conquer sin, not through the sword, 
But through weakness and the birth of a child. And this is what surprises all of us. That not only is God's grace shown in the meekness of a child, we can understand that, but also God's judgment and wrath will be shown in the birth of a child. And this child named Jesus is the one who would grow up to be the one who speaks the very words of God, lives the very words of God, lives the life that we should all have lived and does so in such a way that honors God perfectly. And for some reason, what we see in the Old Testament of this exterior battle of armies, this exterior battle, we begin to see that the real battle really is within the person themselves. And that's the battle that Jesus fought for you and for me. For the battle against sin, the battle against evil, is the battle internally to obey God and worship God. For each individual to love God and serve God. And that's what Jesus did well, not well, but perfectly. Can you imagine that? That it's not with an army, not with the sword, not with exterior behavior that sin and evil are conquered. It's by a Savior named Jesus simply obeying and following his father's orders to live a righteous life. To tell the good news that through him all who believe will be saved. That through him all evil will be conquered. That through him all sin will be forgiven. And that's the message that we celebrate tomorrow. I liken it to, as some of you know, as a physics major. And I liken it to sort of quantum physics. Exteriorly, everything looks like it's going smoothly. But internally, microscopically, quantum mechanically everything is shaking everything is violent everything is a mess and the battle to win this world comes through battling for our hearts and our souls I know that Jesus and you know that Jesus was tempted in every way. But in the end, he was found to be righteous, for he obeyed the Lord. Internally, Jesus was a man who was wrestling with righteousness.
And yet in the end, because of God's grace and mercy, because he was the son of God and the son of man, he endured. But you see, in this man as well, you have to remember there's both judgment and mercy. The war is over in this man. When he died at that cross, it meant that Jesus himself took upon all judgment and that Jesus himself at the right hand of God along with the Father has the right to judge all people. And those who do not know him will be judged. And yet those who do know him will receive mercy. Even in Christ Jesus himself, we have both, we have the warlike Savior who not only conquered death, but is the one in the end who will disseminate both justice, both wrath and mercy. When we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate the peak of a war. It is that key battle that turns the tide. It is that battle which is usually the most violent, the most bloody, that, is, that, that needs the most sacrifice and the most courage. And we celebrate that in the birth of a babe. Isn't that amazing? For the world where Christmas is just happy, fuzzy feelings, that'll pass away. There are different places to get happy, fuzzy feelings. But for those of us who know Jesus, and for those of you who, who want to know Jesus, the battle is over. You who believe in Christ, you who are welcome to come to Christ, no longer have to have that internal struggle that leads to death. You will now have that internal struggle that leads to life. You will never have to fear about wrestling with those internal struggles because if I wrestle with them and I see who I really am, I'm going to lose it. But instead, you're going to look inside your heart and you're going to look at the sin, look at the evil, look at the suffering, and you're going to say instead, God has conquered that. There's no fear of looking inside of me. There's no fear of looking inside of other people because we have Christ who has overcome. And this is where this passage comes in. And this is where I implore all of you during this Christmas season to remember the battle that is before us. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul talks about putting on the full armor of God. He talks about the fact that we are, do not fight against flesh, but we fight against the schemes of the devil. We fight against cosmic powers. We fight against this present darkness. Our lives here today are not, lives, are not battles about money. They're not battles about, uh, uh, they're not battles about our flesh, but they're battles against the evil one. And they're battles against our own f spiritual flesh. And this is what God has called us to focus on and to, and, and to fight over. 
Everything is a spiritual battle. I have both a privilege and a burden as a pastor, and I think many of you know this, that I don't have a choice but to see everything as a spiritual battle because that's what we do here. <laughs> right? That's what we do here. Everything's a spiritual battle. And so I have to be keenly aware of that. And all of us have to be keenly aware of that here in the church. That whatever you're going through, the major part is the spiritual component part. And that's what we battle. I also get a blessing from that. Why? Because I get to go to Jesus a lot more. <laughs> I get to run to scripture a lot more. So there's a blessing in that as well. But for you, my brothers and sisters, don't forget this component. Don't think because of the work that you do or the school that you are in or that the family that you have, that there isn't a spiritual component. There is. And the battles are there. And the battles are there for you to fight with the Lord. And the Lord has equipped you with everything that you need to continue this battle. We're no longer confused like in the Old Testament. God, what, what, where is judgment, judgment? Where is mercy, mercy? Everything's been completed in Jesus. For us, we start to recognize everything is mercy. Jesus alone will judge everything else. For us, we understand that the battle is for people's hearts. And that our duty is to help other people to find that same Jesus who has cleaned and cleansed us as well. So God tells us to put on the armor of God. And I love this description, right? Fasten on the belt of truth, verse 14. Breastplate of righteousness. Shoes for your feet. Readiness given by the gospel of peace. The shield of faith. Helmet of salvation. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, I'm not going to go into all those things in details. I, I, but overall, the picture is What? You're in full armor. And there's a battle before you. Now what's interesting about armor is what? You know you're wearing it. It's impossible not to know that you're wearing armor. When you have 25 to 50 pounds on you, you know you have something on you. God is telling us by His Spirit, by the heaviness and weight that you have for his kingdom. The heaviness and the weight that you have for brothers and sisters. That you're in a battle. It's better to feel heavy with the armor of God than to feel light. And God tells us he's given us two sort of things in our hands, right? The shield of faith to extinguish the, the evil one. And those are the, the, the thoughts that come into our head or, or the things that the Satan does to us to stop us from understanding the battle that we have. 
and the sword, which is, which is God's word. That we are some people who are used to, to run to God's word, to read God's word, to use God's word. To battle the spiritual battle. And I say this with, with, a, with a heart that's, I just want to encourage all of you. If the battle really is all spiritual, then we have to read God's word. If the battle is all spiritual, then God's word is where we find our source of power. I encourage you to go for January. Start right now, but, but have your goal for 2020. I'm going to read the word of God. I'm going to read the word of God and let God equip me. But I do have to warn you about this, that oftentimes we're like, we read the God's word, we're like, I'm not getting anything out of it. You are getting something out, you just don't know it. Even when I'm up here preaching God's word, I bet that most of you can't remember what I preached last week, or the week before, or the week before. And that's, well, I guess it's okay. That's okay. The reason is, is because every week that you come here to hear the preaching of God's word, it shapes your heart. And there will be days where, Sundays where you come in and you only get 10% of it, it still shapes your heart. If I ask you the question, tell me, maybe some of you know the answer to this, but tell me what you ate for this past year. Do you remember what you ate for this past year? Can you tell me everything? You, you don't. But you know the culmination of everything that you eat has given you the health that you have today. The culmination of you reading God's word the culmination, the sermons that you hear, the culmination of all the times that you read the same passage over and over again or something different for the first time, God works for your spiritual health. That's why our duty is not to simply to figure out the best way. To do the, the duty is just to, to read God's word. And for many of us, the duty isn't simply to, to find the best um, diet at times is just just eat, <laughs> just eat. But what's beautiful about this passage and what's what's beautiful about this spiritual war that we're in is it's this it's this final word, and I, and I love this. Verse eighteen, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Have you thought about this? Here you are, full armor of God, shield of faith, God's word in your right hand. You're ready to go out to battle. But even with all of that, it's not enough. Let me say that again. No matter how much prepared you are, you think you are up here in your head, no matter how strong you think you are, because of many spiritual battles you've already fought, it is not enough. We 
we battle with all of these, with the armor that we have, with the experience that we have, that we always need prayer. And for God's power and blessing in the midst of our lives. Prayer shows that we do not depend upon our experiences, that we do not depend solely on our wisdom, but we depend solely on God. You've heard many times in, this, in, in, in the context of this world when people say, my thoughts and my prayers are with you. Or when someone says, you know, I, I've prayed about X, Y, and Z. And you ask them, well, what does that mean? And, and for most people in the world, prayer simply means, I really thought about it hard. <laughs> right? I really thought about it hard. Do you pray about this? Yeah, I really thought about it hard. That's not prayer. Prayer is going in supplication to the Lord. Lord, I have this list A, B, and C. This is what my experience tells me in terms of what you've done for me in the past. This is what my wisdom tells me in terms of what I've seen in Scripture. But I need your help, Lord. You need to answer me. You need to show me the way. Help me, Lord God. Be present in my supplications to you. I need you here. I need your answers, your, your wisdom. The Lord has called us, even with everything that we're prepared to do. And here, when I look at this room, you are educated people. You are people who like to know how to get things done. You people who, who know how to create a plan and do things. But without prayer, where are we? Brothers and sisters, for yourselves, for our church, we must always be praying, not relying upon what our eyes see or even what our heart feels but rely upon the wisdom of our God himself. You see, this is the story about the birth of Jesus. A warrior born as a babe. A warrior who came not with sword, but with his very life. A warrior who did not come to, to fight the physical battles, the political battles of this world, but the real battle for people's hearts and souls. The battle over righteousness, the battle over defeating the evil one. And he has won. He has won. And so go into battle knowing that the war is complete and finished. Go into battle have mercy on all, knowing that God will judge. And bring justice in the end. Go into battle. Be prepared. 
but overall prayer. Pray to the Lord for his favor. Go into battle. It's okay to have the weight on your shoulder, a good godly burden of the warfare that is out there. Go and be conquerors for the Lord. Praise God for Christmas. Praise God for this one final battle that ends at Calvary. Our God is good. Our God loves us. Let's pray.